This episode is brought to you by Dentons Canada. From startups to industry icons, Dentons acts for a wide variety of companies in both the public and private realms. As the world's largest law firm, Dentons can provide its global reach to your business. Visit Dentons.com for more details. Welcome to The Frontier, a podcast series brought to you by Cap Intel, dedicated to bringing you the latest insights, innovations, and investment philosophies from the professionals who invest your money. Today on the podcast, we have Evolve Fund's president and CEO, Mr. Raj Lala. He has over 20 years of experience in financial services. I think what we're trying to encourage now is greater gender diversity. And that does have an element of equality attached to it because women should be receiving the same pay as their male counterpart Mm. that's doing the same job. Although right now, that number sits at about 80%. So women are actually only making 80% of what males make in that same role. Bitcoin falls into a very similar silo where you see so many investors gravitating towards Bitcoin. And what we're trying to do is provide an opportunity for them to participate in the growth of Bitcoin through their brokerage account. Prior to founding Evolve Funds, Mr. Lala worked with Jovian Capital, where he held several roles, including president of Jove Funds, an asset management division of Jove Capital. He then co-founded and served as president and CEO of Propel Capital Corporation, which was subsequently acquired by Fiera Capital Corporation in September 2014. There, Mr. Lala served as executive vice president and head of retail markets for Fiera Capital Corporation. In 2016, Raj moved on to serve as head of Wisdom Tree Canada division of Wisdom Tree Investments, one of the world's largest ETF issuers. Mr. Lala holds a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Toronto. Thanks for coming on the show. Why did you want to get into the ETF business? I believe that over the next 5, 10, 20 years, uh, the ETF industry will continue to grow. Right now, it's growing at about 20% a year. The global ETF industry is about $5 trillion. Mm-hmm. We have about $140 billion in Canadian ETFs, which is still only one-tenth the size uh, of our mutual fund industry uh, and only one-twentieth the size of the U.S. ETF industry. So if you prescribe to the 10 to 1 rule of the U.S. versus Canada, that means we have an inherent doubling just to get to that 10 to 1 rule. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see a lot more uh, investment advisors, a lot more of the investing public starting to gravitate uh, towards ETFs. In many ways, you know, the reason why we named our company Evolve is because we view that is represents what's taking place in the industry today. I think in, in, in some ways, mutual funds are like CDs and ETFs are like Spotify or Apple Music. It's just a natural progression. They're cheaper, they're easier to use, and they're more transparent uh, than mutual funds. We've seen examples there. The first medical marijuana ETF was launched uh, three or four months ago and got from went from zero to 120 million in two weeks. And most people don't know that there's actually been a medical marijuana mutual fund that's been around uh, for four years now, mm. and it's sitting at under $5 million. So you're seeing a lot of the investment community uh, definitely embracing ETFs. In fact, when you tie it to the millennial population as well, as, as you probably know, uh, we're starting to go through the biggest wealth transfer of our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, about $30 trillion is going to be transferring over to the millennial population over the course uh, of the next 20 to 30 years. 
And they've all indicated that ETFs are uh, the product of their choice. In fact, 75% of millennials, according to a Merrill Lynch study, mm -hmm. uh, have said that ETFs are the products that they're actually using within their portfolios. So when you encompass interesting asset classes and you encompass that structure, uh, you're going to continue to see ETFs grow. And I believe that's uh, where the future is. And that's the reason why we decided to launch an ETF business that also surrounds concepts that are relevant in our daily lives. How do you define gender diversity? That's a great question. Uh, there's probably no specific uh, definition for it. You notice that it's called gender diversity, not gender equality. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's easier to define gender equality, which is obviously that means everything is equal. It's 50-50 uh, uh, female representation in, on the board level and the management level and employee base. I think what we're trying to uh, encourage now is greater gender diversity. Uh, and that does have an element of equality attached to it because women should be receiving the same pay as their male counterpart mm -hmm. that's doing the same job. Uh, although right now, uh, that number sits at about 80%. So women are actually only making 80% of what males make in that same uh, role. So to me, what, what we're finding is more and more companies are starting to make gender diversity a priority. And I think one of the catalyst events was 2015, the famous speech by Prime Minister Trudeau, where he got asked the question by the media as to why he had so many females in his cabinet. And his answer was, it's because it's 2015. <laughs> and I think what that resulted in is a bit of a domino effect with a lot of the corporate CEOs here. You know, People like Victor Dodik, for example, who's the CEO of CIBC, started to make gender diversity a higher priority and he's become a fantastic spokesperson uh, for the cause. So you're seeing more and more organizations embracing it. But I think besides the fact that it's the right thing to do, there's also a very solid investment thesis behind it as well. How many companies in North America fit this definition? So we are working with a non-for-profit organization called Equileap based out of Amsterdam. And they're the ones that put together the methodology for our gender diversity ETF. Uh, and what they do is they actually rank these companies based on percentage of women at the board level, percentage of women uh, in management, workforce, all the way down to HR policy. So they use 19 uh, points of criteria to determine whether an organization is actually gender diverse or not. And then filter it down to the top 150 companies in North America that had the highest gender diversity ranking based on those criteria. And that's what makes up our ETF. Hmm. What is the trend in gender diversity? Are more companies achieving it or is it remaining stagnant? What factors behind this trend? There's a lot. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you're starting to see more and more organizations become proactive. And I think that that's leading to better companies. So gender diversity, what it really results in is when you have instituted policies to increase diversity, and as you know, most of the large institutions here in Canada now have diversity and inclusion departments where they're really trying to uh, generate better diversity, not just from a gender perspective, but also from a racial and so on uh, perspective as well. So I think what they're also recognizing is it leads to better companies. And, and what that means is when you have females working in a firm or a company where they feel like they're gonna be equally 
treated, that they're going to have just as much chance of getting promotion as their male counterpart does, just as much pay as their male counterpart does, you tend to have a happier workforce. And I'm a big believer, uh, you know, I've always read about Richard Branson, for example, I'm a big believer that you take care of your employees first. And if you take care of your employees and you make them happy, they will take great care of the end customer uh, as well. So if you have a happier workforce, you tend to have a better understanding of your end consumer of whatever product or service you're creating, you tend to have more balanced decision making. So it tends to lead to better companies that are more forward looking in the way they operate. Mm-hmm. And usually more forward-looking organizations perform better as well. And there's a number of studies that have come out that have shown that gender diversity actually leads to better corporate performance. MSCI just released a study a while ago that actually showed that higher gender diversity organizations outperformed lower gender diversity organizations by about 2% a year. Mm-hmm. That's, to me, the fundamental uh, important analysis in a product like this, which is you need to feel good about supporting gender diversity, but there also needs to be an investment thesis because it should not be a charitable case. Uh, Therefore, when you actually see statistics like that and Credit Suisse has come out with similar stats and McKinsey has come out with similar stats that show that greater gender diversity leads to actual better performance for those companies. At Evolve, you've created a number of specialized ETFs. It's my understanding that you've recently um, registered the first Bitcoin ETF in Canada. before we we talk about what I'm by you on for, which is more the 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 North American gender diversity ETF, just curious to get uh, two two seconds on the Bitcoin. Yes, we did. You know, as I as I mentioned, we're we're very we're very much focused on some of the thematics, and thematics is an interesting word because sometimes people associate thematic with niche, or sometimes they associate thematic with fads. What we wanted to be very mindful of when we were putting together our thema- our thematic ETFs is that they're neither niche nor they're a fad. They're actually encompassing long-term investment trends. So cybersecurity is a long-term investment trend. Gender diversity is a long-term trend. Uh, And uh, the future of the automobile and everything that's going into the autonomous, the shared, the electrification, these are all long-term trends. Bitcoin falls into a very similar silo where Uh, you see so many investors gravitating towards Bitcoin. And what we're trying to do is provide an opportunity for them to participate in the growth of Bitcoin through their brokerage account. So we filed for the first Bitcoin ETF in the country. So now onto the Evolve North American Gender Diversity ETF. How did you create this fund and and how is it structured? So it's an ETF. Uh, It's index-based. We are working uh, with Equileap, uh, which has created the entire methodology for the index. It's equal weighted, uh, North American blue chip companies. And I think that's important to appreciate. Effectively, what this is, is a blue chip North American portfolio that also has a gender lens attached to it. The average market cap in this portfolio is over $70 billion. So these are large companies that make up this portfolio. The catalyst for me, and I think some of your listeners would would probably agree, the catalyst for me is I have two daughters. Uh, They're nine years old. At one point in the future, depending on how far they go in school, at one point in the future, they're going to enter the real world, the real work world. I want them to enter a world, I want them to work for a company where they have just as much chances of getting promoted as males do mm-hmm. if they're as qualified and and they're making the same uh, compensation 
as males do as well. So to me, this is the right thing to be supporting right now. But as I said before, it also has a very solid investment thesis behind it as well. As a male who started a gender diversity ETF, why did you choose to do it? And and, and have you received any pushback or, or <laughs> critiques in that sense? It's a great question. Uh, we live in a world still today when we talk about diversity, uh, 95% of the corporate CEOs in North America are still male. Mm-hmm. So in order to create greater gender diversity in the organizations, male engagement is absolutely important. Without male engagement, it's going to be very difficult to make the kind of progress from a gender diverse perspective mm-hmm. for a lot of these organizations. I look at that very much the same way. If males can start to get their shoulder behind increasing gender diversity within an organization, it will result in uh, a lot more progress in that area. Mm -hmm. Are there other gender diversity products on the market? There are. Uh, We're the first gender diversity ETF Mm -hmm. uh, in Canada, but there are other funds out there globally. But. One of the when we started working on this product, what we realized was that a lot of the other gender diversity products that are available were not deep enough in their methodology. Hmm. What many times what they would do is they would take a look at the percentage of women uh, on the board of a company, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe the percentage of women in management. And based on those two numbers, they would say, okay, well, that's a gender diverse organization, so that makes it into our portfolio. We felt that it needed to go, a lot deeper mm. than that. And when we came across Equileap, which as I mentioned, is the organization that created the methodology for this, they don't just look at the percentage of women at the board level and management, they go into the employee base and they go into HR policies, which is extremely important. Uh, so really taking a vert- an entire vertical view of an organization to determine whether they are truly proactive with gender diversity mm-hmm. or not. I would make an argument that if you've got 40% of your board that's female and maybe you know 40% of your management that's female, but only 10% of your workforce that's female, mm-hmm. I wouldn't c- consider that a gender diverse organization. Uh, so to me, it was really important to, cr- to work with, with a group uh, that actually had much more rigorous methodology attached to determining whether an organization was gender diverse or not. To play the devil's advocate, I've read some of the criticisms of gender diversity. One of the main issues critics raise is that firms can become preoccupied chasing gender diversity and can miss potential hazards or opportunities. Um, In your research, have you found any validity to this sort of onboarding time? If not, what are the main criticisms of companies focusing on attaining gender diversity? I think that there's so much evidence that shows that an organization Uh, that is proactive with gender diversity performs better. But I think every CEO of every organization wants to make sure that they have a happy workforce and that they embrace changes, differences in their work population. And it leads to better overall organizations. I can't see how anybody would make an argument uh, that it's not the right thing to do. Sometimes what I do here is does it truly lead to better performance. And as I said before, there's a ton of evidence that shows from you know MSCI, Merrill Lynch, uh, Credit Suisse have all issued reports, McKinsey, uh, to show that their performance is actually stronger for higher gender diverse organizations. In the long run, if all companies embrace gender diversity, like any innovation, 
the first mover advantage could dissipate, potentially reducing its benefits. Within this context, do you believe that the advantage of gender diversity will be limited once it's more widely achieved and, and it's not um, just a smaller number of companies with it, but most people have it? It's funny, I was in a meeting yesterday talking and somebody brought up the point, they said, how do you feel about this product actually having uh, get, have to be terminated uh, at some point mm-hmm. in the future? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, once, once we reach equality, uh, we won't need this fund anymore. And I thought that was an interesting perspective. At first, I wasn't sure if they actually understood what our product was, but it's an interesting perspective. Unfortunately, I, I don't feel in my lifetime that we're going to reach equality. I think we need to strive towards it. I think most corporate CEOs would probably agree that it's it's a vision and it's a goal to reach uh, equality, uh, but just you know, getting closer and applying some areas uh, from equality in terms of you know, equal opportunity for promotion and better HR policies that treat females and males uh, equally, I think is is extremely uh, achievable. But I think getting to a point where you have a 50-50 workforce between female and males and 50-50 at the board and 50-50 uh, in management, I think is, is a long ways away. Um, what I find interesting is that when you go, when you go and walk into your bank branch today, I don't know if you've noticed, maybe since I've launched this product, I notice things a little bit more now. About 80% of the people that are working in the bank branches are females. Yet for some reason, when you go from that to middle management, it drops down to about 30 or 40%. There's this gap between these entry-level positions of females going and working in institutions to going to actual middle management. And this is the kind of things that I believe, you know, these DNI. Uh, departments are trying to figure out and CEOs are trying to uh, improve as well. So you potentially see that your criteria could get more strict to to kind of get into more detail and, and to look more in depth at the policies in the long run as, as more firms start to maybe make that first move, but you don't you don't necessarily see it being um, a problem that's resolved in the near term. No, I think that uh, we still have a, a ways to go. I mean, I'll give you an example. For our ranking methodology with Equileap, the highest score you can get is 35. That's their, that would be their version of 100, let's say. But their high, the highest ranking you could get from a gender diversity score perspective is 35. The number one company in the world has a 22. It's not great. That shows you is how much room there is for improvement. And that number one company, maybe wouldn't be a surprise to a lot of your listeners, is L'Oreal. Mm. Uh, but it just w- the the point that that illustrates is how much work we still have to do in this area. Describe the ideal investor for a gender diversity fund in your mind. That's a it's a great question. You know, when we first put this product together, we thought, well, every female should want to buy this to support uh, this this uh, cause is not the right word, but this investment. Then when you really drill down, to me, it's it's hard to identify one specific market. As a father of two daughters, anybody that has daughters should wanna support a product like this where we have you know, future females entering into the workforce. Um, and as I said before though, you, know, you need increased male engagement uh, in order for gender diversity to actually improve. One of the things that I did uh, was I put this ETF inside my daughter's RESPs because it really kind of follows. I'm saving 
I'm saving money for my daughter's education. So saving money for my daughter's education should follow suit into what happens after their education, which is entering the work world. And once they enter the work world, you want them to be entering in with companies that treat them equally. So to me, it's a great RESP product, but I think it's very difficult to identify one target, uh, one target market for it. Part of our goal in the frontier is to educate investors and let them learn from professionals who have spent time investing uh, for their careers. Within that context, what are some of the challenges facing retail equity investors in the current markets generally? I think that uh, there is a number. I mean, I think you have fear and greed that play into the market and you have different forces at work at any given time. I think education constantly needs to be improved. I think that there's specific education around ETFs that people need to get a better understanding of of how they trade, bid ask spreads, volumes, uh, implied liquidity, things like that. I think it's just really important to make sure that you're investing in things that you believe in. Uh, And that's, again, one of the reasons why we launched these thematic ETFs, because they surround concepts that you will talk about. You know, at the dinner table, you'll talk about the the recent hack that Equifax had. Uh, You'll talk about, you know, organizations and their drive for diversity in general. You'll talk about the Tesla that's just launched the Model 3 uh, that's coming out next year, hopefully. Uh, but I mean, these are things that people will talk about. You're not necessarily going to talk about a European dividend strategy uh, at the dinner table. Maybe you might be with your broker, but you're probably not talking about that with your family and your friends. So I think it, it, it requires some level of conviction. I think not enough people take long-term views of the market uh, and therefore their investments, they tend to juggle or they tend to move in and out of. Uh, I'm a believer in a somewhat buy and hold approach. And I think, you know, it, there's there's a lot of studies that show that buy and hold actually results in better overall returns over the long term. So I think it's important to invest in areas that you believe, make sure that you're meeting your financial goals from a risk perspective uh, as well, and in, encompass some themes. I think this is a really interesting example. And we've heard some of our guests on the podcast who either use ETFs within their own management strategy to, because uh, what they what they end up saying really is that it's a, a very efficient way to get exposure. And I think that these are interesting ways for retail investors to to get exposure to a theme. You know, I believe in Bitcoin or, or gender diversity mm-hmm. and, and that you're able to, to sort of follow that. So this is an interesting example of that. And I, and I think it's, it's a good point to highlight to the listeners. If you want to learn more about Evolve Fund's gender diversity ETF, please visit evolveetfs.com slash product slash hers. This episode is brought to you by Capintel, a fund analytics company helping investment professionals select the top performing funds for their clients. Industry experts nationwide trust Capintel to make better decisions faster. Find out why at capintel.ca.